0: Hey there, I'm Joey Dean, lead pastor of South Lakes Church in Oklahoma City. At South Lakes Church, we exist to be radically devoted to God, relentlessly committed to true community, and remarkably passionate for the lost. We hope your faith is strengthened and you grow closer to Jesus as you listen this morning. Now let's jump into this week's message. Well, how are we doing, church? Yeah. All right. I think this is working. Hello. All right. Um. Hey, I'm not gonna lie. This is like my dream church. Outside, not a cloud in the sky, 60 degrees, and a hoodie. Amen. That's what I need. All I really need is a saxophone with the jet with the band up here, and we're in, that, That's my. That's heaven right there, folks. I'm just telling you right there. Um. Hey, let me just give you a little bit of. Um, exciting news for tonight so two years ago we had our best weather pumpkin fest ever it was about like this and uh you know our pumpkin fest have always averaged somewhere in the seven to eight hundred range and then the lord said you know what i've given you rain every year for the first you know four or five years let's give you some sunshine and we had over 1500 people show up so this year uh we decided hey let's just pray for more of that good weather And then let's just go ahead and invite 460 kids from John Glenn Elementary, which the principal allowed us to put uh, personal invites in every kid's bag on the way home uh, before they went to spring break. Or This isn't spring, this is fall break. And then on Wednesday, uh, our staff met with an organization called the Kaleo Foundation. The Kaleo Foundation is this. They partner with the local church in order to get Jesus into every school in Oklahoma. And they go, hey, we. what about this pumpkin fest? Do you want to give away stuff? And we go, uh, sure, we'll give away stuff. Why don't you bring a 20-foot U-Haul trailer on Saturday and we'll fill you up. So Amber drove the U-Haul trailer and we backed that baby up. Well, she packed that up, I didn't do anything. So, um, and, um, and they just loaded forklift after forklift after forklift, they go, hey, do you want this? Do you want this? Do you? And I said, how much is this? And they go, I'm gonna guess $25,000 plus worth of food. And you can just give it away. Don't mention our name. You just you just share Jesus. And so that's gonna go live this afternoon. So I'm thinking 1500 maybe like the basement level that we're gonna to have today, which is super scary and super awesome at the same time. Um, and so the reason I share this is because and Jeremy already said this, but at three o'clock today, uh, we, we always say this is a hands on deck thing. And then Kaleo gave us this monstrosity and now it's like a hands-on deck plus why don't you call grandma and grandpa to join us too all right uh we really do need everyone who can possibly help at three o'clock we're gonna be setting up and we got petting zoo coming and and pony ride i'm still gonna see if i can ride that pony i'm just gonna let everyone know that i know that people want to see my picture on a pony and so i'm still gonna see if i can do that but uh, it's gonna take a lot just to unload that trailer on top of everything else that we have to do and that's at three o'clock today so anyway i do have the shirts in they're in my Jeep, and I apologize. I left this morning without them, so we will have your shirts this afternoon when you get here, okay? Um, but I think if we're going to expect 1,500-plus people here today, and we want to be the hands and feet of Jesus, you know what? We can make the best planes in the world. We can have all the free food in the world. We can have the coolest pony ever, all right? And if Jesus doesn't move in hearts, it doesn't. It, 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 we can't move the hearts of man. We can't. So here's what we're going to do. We're going to pray. And we're going to pray. And so I know the reason we're meeting outside and we pray, I prayed so heavy for this morning more than anything, because, you know, we've got a mass service and we've got a non mass service. And I want to try to be, you know, um, as compassionate to both sides as possible. And so that's why I wanted to meet outside. So if you're comfortable, here's what we're going to do. And if you're like, I'd rather do this with my family, stay with your family. If everyone could stand up, everyone stand up, please. If you're online i want you to do this with your family i want you to clump up in a group of i don't know five six seven forty five i don't care just get into little groups if you will all right and if you want to just do it with your family that's great so i'll stand here while everyone does that okay i mean i've got till three o'clock so i'm good We've. I know we don't do this a ton. I know we do a lot of prayer, but we don't do plump together in prayer, all right? But this is a great opportunity to do this. And here's what we're going to do. Grant, where's Grant? We're going to need like some music of some, like, I don't know. I'm sorry. I didn't tell Grant I was going to do this. This is is my bad. All right. Here's what we're going to do. I would like for one person on the count of three in every group to raise your hand. Just one person. This will be fun. One, two, three. Raise your hand. One person. One person in every group. That is your starting prayer person. All right. We're going to give you, I don't know, four or five, 45 minutes. It depends on how long it takes for you guys to pray. And if you feel, you know, if you're comfortable praying out loud, I would love to go around the circle and pray. And this is what I want to pray for. God be glorified today and move in the hearts of people. Those are our two prayers. God be glorified and move in the hearts of people. Can we do this? And if you're online, I would love for you to do this with your family today as well, okay? So we're going to have a little bit of music here. When I say go, whoever raised their hand, you're going to start and then go from there. On your mark, get set. Let's pray. come to you in the mighty name of Jesus and father we confess to you this morning that we can have the best planes in the world we can have the most beautiful weather in the world we could be giving away treasure chests worth of money <laughs> and the people could line up for miles and come. but none of that stuff is what changes the hearts of men God it's you it's your spirit that calls into the deep, dark recesses of the heart and you knock ever so gingerly and say, let me in. And So father, we pray that today would begin a conversation that today would be the beginning of a relationship, a relationship that hopefully will be built on trust that will be built on love that we've built on the gospel and Father that from today we can build upon this relationship and just like you did Jesus you you met people's physical needs in order to speak into their spiritual needs I pray that through pony rides (laughs) through corn through face painting through handing out so much food God that this would open the door for a deeper conversation so father we submit ourselves to you in fact church let's do this very symbolically if you will would you raise your hands up with palms opened up high to the sky father we come to you and we submit ourselves to you this morning we pray that the posture of our hands trickles down to become the posture of our heart. That we would be in a place of humble submission. That in the, in the divine appointments that we'll have tonight with the people that we'll talk to that we don't even know who they are. That we would be bold. That we would be the hands and feet of you. We submit ourselves to you. And we humbly ask, would you use us? Not for our glory. Not so that we can build the brand of South Lakes. But so that you would receive the glory, and that people's lives would be changed, we submit ourselves to you, and we pray this in Jesus' name and all God's people. Said, "Amen." You guys may be seated. If you want to, go ahead and grab a phone, if you will, or if you brought your if you brought a Bible, go ahead and grab that. And I want you to turn to the Book of Genesis, Genesis twenty-one, this morning as we are going to continue in our Names of God series. Um, and your sermon notes are online. They're on version. Uh, they're also at slchurch.life. Um, and so oh, I do have one more. This is a big deal. Um, on next, this upcoming weekend, after almost a year and a half of planning, we are finally sending a team to Tulsa to build a laundromat at Turn Church. And we're not gonna get it done this one weekend, but this is gonna begin the process. And so I am needing about seven more individuals. If you are good at swinging a hammer or if you like to rip things out, all right, this is probably for you, all right? And so I would love to have you guys um, let me know, meet with me after the service. In fact, if you've already signed up, come up and let me know, we need to get this going. But um, this is going to be a, a, a weekend trip to go up there. I, I think we're just going to be leaving on a Saturday morning, going up there, spending all day Saturday, getting as much stuff done, and then go from there. Okay. So anyway, all that being said, this is week one. We're on, the, I think this is week six of the names of God. And today we are learning about how God is El Olam, and that is God everlasting. All right. So the question is this morning, what does it mean that God Everlasting, and I think, not to be too cliche, sure, I think that uh, there's, there's three things actually, that are um, that are important for us to understand when it comes to wrapping our minds around what does it mean that God is everlasting. And so, I want to give you those three things this morning, and I think it's really going to help us, especially as we have just submitted ourselves into the will of the Lord. Pumpkin tonight. The first thing, if we're going to wrap our minds around God everlasting, then we need to understand that if God is everlasting, that means that He has been and will be eternally existent. He's eternally existent. Now, I know this sounds like the most obvious, because if we're talking about God everlasting, then obviously, to be everlasting, then you don't have to be a biblical scholar to come to the conclusion that, yeah, I get it. God has always been. But yet, is this not one of the most difficult things? for us to wrap our minds around like seriously at a young age i mean i don't know about your kids but my kids are asking questions like hey when's god's birthday or when was god born or okay he was in the beginning but like but where in the beginning like this is a difficult thing for us to wrap our minds around like how do you wrap our minds around genesis 1 in the beginning was god how do you wrap your minds around the fact that Jesus is in the beginning, John 1, 1, in the beginning was the word and how do you wrap your mind around like Revelation 21 where it says, I am the alpha and the omega, the first and the last, the beginning and the end. I mean, if we try to wrap our minds around the fact that God is eternally existent, we kind of hurt our brains. It's kind of like when you eat too much ice cream too fast and you get the brain freeze, right? And you get this brain strain and you're like, ah, oh, it hurts so much, but yet People in the Bible, I mean, throughout the Bible, they've been struggling with this too. Ecclesiastes 3.11 tells us this, that God has made everything beautiful in its time, and he's also set eternity into the hearts of men. So we know that there's more than just our 40, 50, 60, 70, 80, 90 years of life that we're going to be on this earth. We know that there is eternity because God set that in our hearts. But yet uh, the tail end of verse 3 or verse 11 says this, but we cannot fathom what God has done from beginning to end. We can't wrap our minds around that. And so we know that God's always been, we know that he doesn't have a birthday. I've shared from the very beginning, I think the number one verse that takes the most faith, and I've shared this multiple times, is Genesis 1-1. If you can wrap your mind around Genesis 1-1, in the beginning was God, then everything else is easy. But how do you wrap your minds around the fact that in the beginning was God? And I know that it's difficult to wrap our minds around a God being eternally existent. But what in the world does that actually mean? So I think it means a few things. I think number one, if God has always been, if he's eternally existent, then we have to understand that he has to be the source of all things because he's existed before all things. Right? He is the creator. Like, We've got to admit that there's got to be an ultimate cause for how we got here, right? There's no way that things could have come into being by happenstance. I'll I'll never forget um, a pastor that I served under. He sat down at the piano. He could not play piano at all. And he just went down and he went and he just clumped down on that piano. And he says this. Is what people who say there's no God says. It all happens by happens. And he had the church pianist come up. And she just played this beautiful. I don't know what it was. Mozart or Bach. Or maybe it was a hymn. I don't know what it was. But he goes. If you don't think that a God created it all. Then you're going to say that this mess of notes. That I just pounded down. Eventually will become a symphony like this. Like we have to wrap our minds around the fact. That there's no way that things could have come into being by chance. And if God is eternally existent. Then he is the source of all those things, but not only see the source of all those things, but God has to be bigger than all those things. I love the fact that we're meeting outside because there's a lot of people that would say, you know what? God is kind of like nature, right? Like you see God in all things in nature, and if you add up all of nature, then it's kind of like what you get God. It's kind of like all the sums equal. You add it all together and, and, you, and you equal God. And I see God in the tree, then I see God in the, in the sky, and they actually had a name for this. The, the early church wrestled with this. It was called pantheism and pantheism is simply this, is that God is all, and all is God so everything's God, and you add that together, but when you think about it like, that doesn't make sense that doesn't make sense that, that if you add everything together and that you get God because the creator has got to be bigger than the things that he's created otherwise, like he, there's nothing special about that so, my sister-in-law uh, Cassie, she goes to church here and David, he plays the bass in the band um, she all sorts of things, and I I just, I I don't know how she does it, but she does it. But you can't look at the crafts that Cassie has made and say, ah, that craft is Cassie. That's, that doesn't make sense. Like, Cassie is bigger than the things that she's created. She's not equal, or those things are not equal to her. Because when you do that, when you go, oh, I see Cassie, Cassie, this is Cassie. But that's Cassie. No, no, they're the same. No, you're doing Cassie a huge disfavor because though you might be able to see her in the things that she's created, you can see her personality, you can see her design preferences, you can see her quirkiness, you can see all those things and the things that she has designed, that craft is still not Cassie. She is greater than it. Why? Because she created it. So if God is eternally existent, then not only is he above all things, but he's got to be over all things. And the last thing is this, is that he's got to be sovereign over all things. So this is where Genesis 21 comes into play. The first time we are introduced to God as El Olam um, is a very weird occurrence here. it's Abraham. He's having an argument with this guy by the name of Abimelech. And they're arguing over a well that's been dug, who can use it, and over treaties. And so what happens is that in Genesis 21, let me read it for you here. if The wind won't blow my Bible away. Genesis 21, 27. It says, so Abraham took sheep and oxen and he gave them to Abimelech. And the two men made a covenant and Abraham set seven ewe lambs of the flock apart. And Abimelech said to Abraham, what's the meaning of these seven you lambs that you have set apart? And Abraham said, These seven ewe lambs you will take from my hand, that this may be a witness for me that I dug this well. Therefore, that place was called Beersheba, because there both of them swore an oath. So they made a covenant at Beersheba. And then Abimelech and Phicol, the commander of his army, rose up and returned to the land. Of the philistines and then here it is verse 33 it says abraham planted a tamarisk tree in beersheba and there he called on the name of the lord el Olam, the everlasting god now why in the world would god or would would david designate this title to god after entering into this covenant with abraham or with with abimelech and i think the reason he's doing this is because uh, Abraham is acknowledging that God is the one who is sovereign over all affairs of men. He's sovereign over temporal agreements. And we see this contrast between we've got this temporary agreement between man and the eternal plans and the purposes of God. And so I like to think of it like this. Um, you may have plans for your life. Six years ago, when we planted South Lakes. I had plans for what South Lakes was going to be. But here's the thing. God's good plans for you and for this church and for your life, all those all his plans are sovereign over all the plans that you make. It's He's over them. And we can make the best plans in the world. and the fact of the matter is that it's not going to trump God's sovereignty. So that's what Abraham's recognizing here. I've entered into a covenant with Abimelech, but even the best covenant pales in comparison to God. God is over these things. In fact, Moses is the next person to reference God as Elam at the end of Moses' life. He's blessing the nation of Israel, and in Genesis, I mean Deuteronomy 33. This is what he says. Deuteronomy 33 begins in verse 26. Moses says there is none like God O Jeshurun. Now let me just real quickly say Jeshurun is a poetic name used of the nation of Israel. We only use it a, it's only used a few times in scripture. So he's talking to the nation of Israel and he says there's no there's none like God O Jeshurun or O Israel who rides through the heavens to your help through the skies in his majesty the El Olam the eternal God is your dwelling place, and underneath are the everlasting arms. And he thrust out the enemy before you and said, Destroy. So Israel lived in safety. Jacob lived alone in a land of grain and wine, while heavens dropped down dew. Happy are you, O Israel, who is like you, a people saved by the Lord, the shield of your help, the sword of your triumph. Your enemies shall come fawning to you, and you shall tread upon their backs. And so Moses is is confessing Israel. Do you know why we're in the position that we're in today? It's because God is eternal. He is sovereign over us. And we can have the best plans in the world as a nation, and God's plans will trump that. Why? Because God is eternally existent. But if God is eternally existent, It's also important to know that as being El Olam, or God everlasting, that He's also eternally consistent. Now, I will be honest, I think this is the most encouraging thing about God's name here. Because when everything else is changing in our lives, when things are falling apart, or when things are failing, when we are weak, when things are changing left and right, when we recognize that things are temporary, listen to what it means that God is eternally consistent. It means that he, he utterly never changes, that he's faithful, that he's reliable, that he's dependable. I love the words of Isaiah. Isaiah tells us, you know, you think out of all the times that I've preached outside that I remember not to use an actual Bible, but, you know, I, I don't. I'm not a very smart man. So Isaiah chapter 40 I'm going to start reading this, and you're going to be like, Oh, I do recognize this. Isaiah 40, verse 25, says this. To whom then will you compare me, that I should be like him, says the Holy One. Lift up your eyes on high and see who created these. He who brings out their hosts by number, calling them all by name, by the greatness of his might. And because he is strong in power, not one is missing. Why do you say, O Jacob, and speak, O Israel? My way is hidden from the Lord, and my right is disregarded by my God. And then here's the part that we're probably going to know. Have you not known? Have you not heard? The Lord is the everlasting God, the creator of the ends of the earth. He does not faint or grow weary. His understanding is unsearchable. He gives power to the faint, and to him who has no might, he increases strength. Even youths shall faint and be weary. And young men shall fall exhausted, but they who wait for the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings like eagles. They shall run and not be weary. They shall walk and not be faint. It's because that God is eternally existent that he is also eternally consistent. And because of God's consistency, we know that God can be our rock. And this is one thing that as I get older, the more I realize I am really dumb. I feel like I hit my 30s and when I hit my 30s, I said, I was really dumb in my 20s. And now I'm, I turned 40 here in a little over a month. And you know what I realized? I was really dumb in my 30s. I can't wait for 50 so I can discover how dumb I was in my 40s. But here's the thing, no matter how dumb I am, No matter how many mistakes I make or how bad my plans fall apart, God remains my rock. Why? Because he is consistent. Listen to this out of Isaiah 26. It says, you keep him in perfect peace whose mind is stayed on you because he trusts in you. Then it says, trust in the Lord forever, for the Lord God is an everlasting rock. He can be our rock because he is eternally consistent. When life is unsettled, we can gain great comfort when we're told in Hebrews 13.8 that Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and tomorrow. Why? Because he's eternally consistent think I I have to be very careful and I think we all have to be very careful that if God is eternally consistent then this also serves as a stern rebuke on all of us because we naturally have a tendency that we want to try and modify the words or the character of Christ when we don't like what he has to say we like well that's antiquated and so therefore that doesn't apply to me today I gotta tell you something God's not antiquated (laughs) He's not antiquated. And if he says something is wrong here, then guess what? God is the same today, and it's still wrong today. It is still wrong today. How easy it is to forget, guys, that when you first came to Christ, it was you who came to him longing for him to transform you. And then it's funny because it seems like the Christian's life after that is trying to transform Jesus into our image instead of being reminded that Christ wants to transform us into his. And it's very easy to get into that and to say, well, that probably doesn't apply to me, or, oh, that's probably not that big a deal. God's the same. He's eternally consistent, and because of that, he's our rock. And the thing about rocks is that they don't move. And <laughs> don't move. It's gonna stay firm no matter how shifting our life is. Christ is going to stay consistent. So if he's eternally existent, if he's eternally consistent, then we know this, that he's also going to be eternally present in our lives. You know, no one can be with us all the time. You know, our parents, you know, my kids are learning, you know, dad can't always be there at school. You know, Kira's really learning that this year, Um, you know, she's really starting Uh, gosh, if we were dumb in our 20s, can you imagine how dumb we were in our when we we're single digits? And, um, and and you know what? And Dad's not always going to be there. Yeah, you know, my parents weren't always there. Our, my my friends aren't always there. Our relatives, our spouses, man, they can't be there for us all the time. They can't be there for us with us forever. And so that's why we have to be extremely careful not to become dependent other people in our life because if we become dependent on other people and expect them to always be there then we are setting them up for failure and they will disappoint us and when they disappoint us we will be mad at them you know why because they couldn't carry the weight of the burden that we were putting on them the weight of you are always supposed to be there and that's hard that's that's really hard when you put that much weight on on that, I, I think a lot of things that are happening to pastors, honestly, right now, and I think that there is about to be an exodus of pastors from the ministry. I really do. They said that a year ago, and I thought, oh, that's just full of it. And I really believe that what I'm I just think that that there's going to be just an exodus. And I think a lot of it is because there were expectations put on you were supposed to always be there. And it didn't happen i think it's people are pastors are just walking watching people walk away and a lot of the times it's because well, you weren't there for me how were you and you're like how can i be all things for all people but we do that in our in our marriages we do our our kids do that you know we just do that we put expectations on people and they're going to disappoint us but yet god can be relied upon was it not god who says hey i'm never going to leave you nor will i forsake you i'm going to be there how do we know that because his lm because he's eternally present. He's eternally consistent. He's eternally existent. He's always been Think we're trying to wrap your minds around this. Before God said, let there be light, God knew that there was going to be a little church in southwest Oklahoma City called South Lakes Church that was going to start something called Pumpkin Fest. And that there was going to be a beautiful day on October 17th, 2021, and that there was going to be an organization that was going to give us $25,000 plus of food, that we were going to have ponies that the pastor was finally going to ride, right? (laughs) That we were going to have slingshots and we were going to have pumpkin painting and there's going to be so many people here that we won't know what to do. And he knew that. How does he know that? Because he's always been. Because he's outside of the uh, of, of time. I love when Isaac, he preached, I don't know, maybe six months ago, and he shared about that, how God is outside of time, and he sees the whole time frame. He sees it all. And because of that, we can trust in him. And we can say, you know what, God, I, I don't know why things are happening, and I don't know why the difficult things, or I don't know why I put that expectation on them. They, they're, they're just going to let me down. And God's like, that's okay, I won't. I'm consistent. I am unchanging. I am God everlasting. And you can take that to the bank every time. Every time you can take that to the bank. And that's why when I mess up and when you mess up, <laughs> I know that the grace of God is going to cover my sins. You know why? Because my sins were nailed to the cross and they've been forgiven. And God's not gonna hold a grudge going, well, Joey, you are such a numbskull. You had no clue how dumb you were gonna be in your 30s. I can't believe I died for you. Now I'm not gonna I'm not gonna say that God's not up there shaking his head sometimes going, oh Joey. Oh Joey. Gosh. I wish this sanctification process was a little faster in your life, Joey. I'm not saying he's not saying that. But I'm saying that he's consistent and he's walking with me every way, and he wants to walk with you every step of the way. And that that's the God that I want to introduce people to tonight. Not just a God who offers a way for forgiveness to be had so that transformation can happen inwardly, but a God that will not leave no forsaken, that will always be consistent. Why? Because he's always been, he's always been there. He's always been existent and he's, he's above all things because of that. And so that's why. When I was really thinking through, what time, man, this is the fastest sermon ever. You're never going to get this ever again, all right? So um, that's why I was like, you know what? The same God that changed lives back in the Old Testament is the same God that changes lives in the New Testament. It's the same God that changed lives in my life 20, uh, 26 years ago. No, no, something like 20 years ago, Right? He's the same God that can change lives today. And that's why we submit ourselves to him. And we say, God, you're, you're God everlasting. And we trust you. We want to lean into you. So I don't know what you're going through right now. I don't know how life is. All right, The, the one thing that God's been teaching me through the names of God is that every time I, go, I study a name of God and I get ready to preach it, it's God reminding me, listen, I'm always there. And I'm exactly who you need when you need it. And that's been a really good comfort for me and so i don't know how many of you need to be reminded this morning that god is everlasting and because he's everlasting he's got you and he's consistent he's walking with you he's not going to forsake you i to pray for us and then um we've got a couple announcements to give because we want to get everyone out of here a little early this morning because i don't know if you've heard we've got kind of a big event coming up this afternoon And uh, someone gave us a lot of food, and we need lots of people to help unload it, okay? We want to give you a chance to go home and eat before we work you to death this afternoon, all right? So uh, let me pray for you. Father, I come to you in the mighty name of Jesus. And Father, I'm so grateful that you are God everlasting. God, I'm so grateful that because you are God everlasting, we can know that you're always going to be present with us. Because you're God everlasting, we can know that you're always going to be consistent with us, even when we don't like it. Because you're everlasting, we know that you're above all things, anything that's happening in our lives, you're sovereign, you're over it. And so Father, I pray for my SL family this morning, whether they're here in person on this beautiful day or they're at home uh, with their families, God watching online. God and I ask that you would help remind all of us this morning about your consistency and about your your presence, about your sovereignty and for whatever we're going through. Maybe we're going through a great time or maybe we're going through a very difficult time that whatever valley or mountaintop that we're on this morning, we would be reminded that you are there with us in both circumstances. And may we lean into that this morning. And may we not try to change who you are to meet our expectations or change the Bible to be able to meet what we want to be true in our lives. May we be reminded that we came to you for forgiveness so that you would change us. Not so that we can change you. Because an everlasting God cannot be changed. So Father, you are the potter. And we are the light which mold us, which shape us in such a way that we look more like Jesus. That maybe with every passing decade, maybe we're just a little less dumb because we're learning to lean into you way more than the previous decade. Thank you for your forgiveness. With your heads bowed and your eyes closed, I want to just ask you a couple questions. How are you doing at remembering that God is present in your life? And I think the best way for you to be able to to gauge how you're doing with that is to ask yourself, how much are you talking to him? Because if you're not talking to him... It's probably because you think that He's not there like He needs to be and you're trying to do it on your own. So how much are you talking to Him because you know that He's right there with you? And if the answer is, you know what, I'm really not talking to Him that much, then my question is what does it take to remind us that He's present? Is it being in God's Word to be reminded? Is it being in Community, so that others can sharpen and challenge us. Is it being in worship to send underneath preaching and to send underneath songs of praise? I don't know. But if you're struggling with that, I think you need to ask God, God, what what needs to happen in my life so that I can be reminded that you are consistent. The second thing that I would ask is this: If you're like, I know God's consistent. I I know, I talked to him. Then, how can you help others in your family, in your church family, be reminded that he's present? A lot of times, the best reminder that I have is when someone like a Rico or my wife or an Amber or someone church related, comes to me and says, hey, uh, you do remember that God's got this, right? And it's those subtle prompts for people that love me that get me back on track. So maybe God want you to be the subtle prompter to help your SL family, or maybe people in your personal family to get back on track. I don't know where you are. Maybe you need to be reminded, talk to God, what do I need to do to help remind myself? Or maybe you're the prompter to help remind people spend some time talking to the Lord about this and then would you stand to your feet when you're done and join Grant as he sings and then I'll be having a few closing announcements about Pumpkin Fest and we're going to get out of here but right now this is between you and the Lord on a beautiful Sunday morning talk to him about that talk to him about his consistency God we give this moment to you Grant let's go ahead and listen thanks again for listening to this message for more information about South Lakes Church go to slchurch.life